You're listening to Autism Approved Radio, where we bring hope and help into your home. Hi, everyone. Well, hello there, and welcome to Ron. And Kristen, bringing hope into your home. We are delighted and deliciously happy to have you here today. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us, especially thanks for joining us here on our new home on Autism Approved Radio. Yeah, and listen, we have a really good show today that's about a pretty interesting subject, and I'll just frame it to you almost as a title, which is this. Your child is not a reflection of you, dropping the guilt and the pressure. And we're going to spend some time later kind of exploring what does that mean and and how does that work. But before we do that, we got to do something first, people, which is the argument of the day. Yes, indeedy. We got to put our dukes up and make it happen. And what is the argument? Okay, Kristen, I'm going to put a question to you. Let me know what you think. So... Understanding that, to some degree, both genders do this. Which do you, which gender do you think does this more? Which is picking a significant other that uh, just to look good, whether it's to themselves or other people, like picking a partner to look good. Well, I think kind of both do, but I guess I'll pick the woman. The woman. Okay, how come? Well, I think especially the women. Well, okay, I, I'm going to have to like clarify this like a little bit. I think women that have low self-esteem about themselves do for that. Like, I don't think all women do, but the women that have low self-esteem do, because I think a lot of times they pick men that perhaps have a particular career that they think looks good for them. So whether they be a doctor or a lawyer, or, you know, maybe they're a CEO of a big, large, huge company. Um, I think that women that maybe don't feel good about themselves, and this could be women that are totally beautiful, but maybe they are trying to keep up with the Joneses. So it's like important. It's like almost like the accessory of, you know, you have a car, a really yeah. nice car, a nice house, and, you know, a nice handbag, shoes, whatever. Oh, yeah, and by the way, my husband's a lawyer, doctor, or whatever, you know? Um, I th- so you think there, that that's uh, like a sort of something that, we, that a lot of their, if we had to pick through the genders, like women are more apt to do that kind of thing? I think that, I think especially if the woman is, um, you know, kind of attractive, but maybe she just, again, doesn't have, there's a lot of women out there that are really pretty but have, very low self-esteem, right? They just don't have that self-confidence about themselves. And maybe they thought that having some, maybe they're the kind of people that are, and again, not that I'm saying that, you know, there's things wrong with different, you know, people that get Botox and stuff like that. Um, I don't do that yet, but that doesn't mean I won't one day. I love that you say I don't do that yet. That's like, no, I, I'm serious. I actually really respect that you said that. I, I don't know if cool. I'll ever do that, but I don't want to, like, take it off the table. I like having yes. it on the menu as an option, right? <laughs> But, like, I feel like, you know, for the women that maybe start very young doing that, I think that's a little crazy. Like, I know people that are in their 20s that, like, in their early 30s that are getting Botox, which I think is, like, kind of cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs because I think that, I don't think you need it so much then, you know? But I know women that are just so Can I just ask you, do you think it's more cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs? (laughs) Or more crazy for Captain Crunch. I just, it's one of I think it's more cuckoo for Cocoa Okay, Puffs. fair enough, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, I think that it's almost crazy sauce to get that, right? <laughs> okay. So basically, and I know women that are like getting that, those injections in their lips and they're getting all this plastic surgery and they were just so beautiful to even begin with and yet they kind of like are just so into the idea of what the outside of the world is thinking about them. So then that 
extends into what kind of husband that they picked for themselves. So it's not just about getting whatever sports car, nice luxury car, and living at the ocean, and you know what vacations you're going on, and what kind of designer clothes you're wearing, and what kind of charity events that you're going to that your husband. See, you donates. know what's interesting about what you because I'm going to disagree with you on this, but I'm also going to say I understand where you're coming from because I I certainly can't deny that people do that. But I also also think this might be a product of we're actually from different regions. You're from the Los Angeles region. You're from so or, or Orange, Orange County. County actually mm-hmm. does actually either one of those two areas, Orange County or Los Angeles, California. Southern California, yeah. right? Um, and I'm not, of course, although I, I did live there for a while. But um, but here's the thing, I would say, I would say it's more men. And and again, I'm coming from different areas. I'm from the Northeast, and also I live in the Northwest a lot now. And in both of those areas, there isn't as much of that huge focus on, on the part of women of, like, having to have the handbag and the doctor husband. Really? You're this. from, like, the New York area? You're telling me? Okay. Maybe. I, oh, admit, okay. Fair enough. Long Island, maybe. But so, Long Island is sort of like Southern California. But anyway, let me just... But I'm just saying, you're yeah. saying East-West, right? So, well, let's just, let's clarify that a little bit more Midwestern-ish or Southern, South of... No, I, I would also say Northwest, Washington State, and Oregon. I would say that, okay. and I would say even where I live, like in the Berkshires, where the Autism Treatment Center is, that that's so a more like natural granola type area. <laughs> it doesn't have. You said Oregon. You said uh, okay, okay but Berkshire. also Alabama. I don't consider Alabama granola. Okay, so right? Alabama farm country. Maybe, maybe. Okay. But all I'm going to say but is anywhere this. that's not metropolitan. No, no. Minneapolis is metropolitan. Yeah, right. And that's do you have a large mall? The largest mall in the world is as, used to as, be. As, as yes, go ahead. It used to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've been. I've been. Everyone, just so you know, I've been to the Mall of America, which I was told was the largest mall in the world, and it is in Minneapolis, and it was quite an experience. And the ro- awesome. I have been there too, and went on the roller coaster, and that was really fun. The roller coaster, just so we're clear, is inside the mall, and it like drops down. Like yeah, it's it was a- freaking awesome. I I loved it. Um, but anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm still going to say, yes, <laughs> we're like not even really having an argument now, but let me just say, I do think men do it more. I'll tell you why, honestly. If you get out of those, whatever you want, whether you want to call it the metropolitan or whatever, if you get out of those areas, um, where and I don't think then in other areas most women do this, but I do think it's this subtle thing that men do a lot, whether they're rich or they're poor, whatever their ethnicity, which is to date a woman that in whatever community they're in is might be considered a hottie or so, or pretty or something like that because of, of what it reflects on them, they believe, to their peers, to other guys, to other women. And by the way, I'm not even going to say that I'm like, I've never done this or that I'm immune to it, um, but I try to be really aware of where I'm coming from. And I do, I really feel like there's a whole thing about that of like, look, we have an entire expression. I don't like the expression, but in our culture, we have the expression, a trophy wife. By definition, that's basically saying I'm picking this particular. There's wife actually a TV show good. called Trophy Wife now. Is there really? Yep, on ABC or ABC. Wow. Is it a reality show? No, I was going to say ABC.com because I only watch TV on my computer, but it's actually ABC. <laughs> if you great channel ABC.com, it's awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I I think the whole that that fact that there's an expression called Trophy Wife and there's not an expression called Trophy Husband sort of says that guys are. But doing there this is a, a lot. there is a thing, Sugar Daddy. Right, okay, but actually, I'm glad you brought that up. That's really different. Sugar daddy implies that the woman is with the man to get stuff, which And maybe, why would she be married or dating a uh, doctor, lawyer, or CEO not to get stuff? Oh, hold on. It's different to date... I'm not saying it's a good reason to date someone, but it's different to date someone to get stuff 
than to date someone to look good. I don't actually think there's... So you're saying thing. that the man gets to date a pretty woman, and that's in a sense, he's not... Well, I'm sure he's getting something, but... We won't yes. go. That's a totally different show. But, like, so, <laughs> That's next week's show. <laughs> so um, no, but I'm saying that like so you're saying that the man dates the pretty woman, but in a sense he is getting something. He's getting that same status as the woman who's dating the professional. Oh, that is, for sure. But but I'm, but I'm making saying, a really big distinction here. When you date someone because you're gonna look good because you think they're pretty, you don't get any material benefits out of that. Is the guy cute? I don't know. It could but be. does it matter? Is it like is he dating the girl that's pretty? Is it a cute guy dating a pretty girl, or is it an ugly guy dating a pretty girl? It could be either. What I'm saying is, saying sugar daddy's really different. Saying sugar daddy's implying that she's using the man to get stuff, which is different than using your partner to look good. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying it's any of a better reason. So I'm saying trophy wife is not about marrying the woman to get stuff. It's simply about looking good to other people. So that's my only point. So that's why I think it's more of a man's thing to do that. That's my only well, point. Well, let's agree to disagree. To disagree. <laughs> All right. So now that we've had that argument, it is time for the, the theme, theme of the, the show. show. Yes, indeed, Ski. And uh, I'm going to just say that line to you again that I said at the beginning, just so you can really take it in. Because this is the idea that Chris and I are going to discuss. Your child is not a reflection of you. Dropping the guilt and the pressure. And this is specifically with respect, although, honest to goodness, that can apply to all parents, but specifically with regards to parents of children who are on the autism spectrum, who often, I, I have this all the time, I work with parents who really struggle with this, of they struggle with the idea of their child's progress or how they're doing their progress with their autism or how they're behaving, whether they're, for instance, being aggressive or not, they see that as a reflection of them and how they're sort of doing as a parent. And because of that, there's an enormous amount of self-generated pressure that they have. And it creates a really stressful, pressurized environment for the parent. And actually, oftentimes then, by default, for the child as well. So we're going to talk about today, how can you break that cycle? How can you get out of that, of of making your child's progress or behavior mean something about you and then feeling like you then need to make the child a certain way just so you can feel okay about yourself as a parent. Well, and here's one thing to think about. Obviously, many of you guys know, and if you don't know, I'm a mother of a child um, with autism. And obviously, he has changed a lot throughout the years. And, you know, truthfully, every day it's kind of a new thing. You don't really know what to expect, even though there's some type of, you know, kind of slow and steady progress, right? However, you have days that they're, you have months, sometimes even, that they've plateaued and they're kind of resting for a little bit and you don't know, and sometimes it even feels like they've gone backwards and you, you don't know when the kind of light at the end of the tunnel is going to come back because the time that you thought maybe they were slow in, in progress, uh, then when they go backwards, you can't wait for them to get back to the where they just were, right? Um, you go through all these kind of emotions all the time. And one thing, for me at least, that I've kind of taken from autism and, you know, being a mother of a child with autism is that, you know what, he's still my son at the end of the day. And this is something that I'm kind of like really, after almost, gosh, now nine plus years of him being diagnosed, it's like I feel like my entire nine years, I, my entire goal has been recovery, recovery, recovery. And looking at you know, other children who are getting better and what did they do? And, you know, should I look at this therapy? Should I look at this treatment? Should I look at this supplement? What does this diet look like? And 
you know, what doctor does this person go to? And, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And, you know, I don't, I sometimes get sad when I see families that have typical kids and they have, you know, the traditional, the baby walks, the baby talks, the baby goes to kindergarten, the baby goes to graduate from fifth grade and, you know, all the kind of milestones for soccer team. And I think, gosh, I didn't get any of that. Like, I don't even know what that would feel like because I'm trying to get my child to look at me or trying to want to talk to me or just be able to simply ask me for something that he might need, right? So my milestones are completely different than their milestones. And so something that's been really helping me is really just enjoying each day with my son. So, I mean, he's 11 and not thinking, I don't want to look back when he's 30 and say, gosh, did I enjoy 11, Hmm. you know? Yeah, that's a really good point. And there's something else I remember not doing and now I do all the time. For the first probably five years, I did not take any pictures. I couldn't bear to get the pictures. This is before we had digitals, you know? So like now you can take a picture and you see it instantly, but like before we'd have like the throwaway cameras and you take the picture and then you go get it developed and I would be thinking to be having this great time and and I would get the pictures back and I would like see how different my child would look because in my eyes he looked so different than how the film was developed, right? And it just like broke my heart to see dark circles under his eyes or maybe he wasn't doing good, you know, with his diet, like his stomach wasn't doing well or just something was going off biomedically with him and and it was so painful for me to see those pictures develop that I decided I no longer want to take pictures, you know? And now I decided that I don't want to do that. You know, like really just prioritizing where your child is at right now and appreciating it. I I think our grandparents say it the best. When you first have the baby, your grandparents or even your parents will come in and say, you know, gosh, they grow up so fast. And I think having special needs kiddos, we forget that they grow up so fast too. And really just appreciate, you know, maybe they're aggressive that day. That's okay because he might have also got a hug that day. Maybe that they are not saying a lot of words that day, but maybe the next day they ask for something that they've never asked for before. Maybe the day before they told you, I love you. Maybe they didn't say it for a month, but they told you once before, you know, that I love you. Maybe they rode their bike for the first time last month, but yet we're so focused on these goals. And I think a lot of it is, and I, you know, I'm very grateful for therapists and doctors, but we're focused on all of these IEP meetings and goal sheets and, and doctor's appointments that we forget to look at the everyday beauty of what our kids are doing that we were told that they were never going to do. We were, a lot of us were told that our kids would never look at us, never utter a word, never be able to ride a bike and never be potty trained. And many of us have broke through those barriers and they're doing that today. And I truly believe instead of looking at the goal sheets and all of these IEP books and, and all of these you know things that our therapists are wanting our kids to do because they're fighting the insurance companies and and everything else. What about if we just remember the baby we first held and we remember all the dreams and the goals that we had for them and and like maybe hold on to that. And that's what my kind of aha moment has been this last year with my son going, you know what? Is he where I want him to be? No, I definitely want more for my son. But I think even if I had a typical child, I'd want more for my child. But I am so grateful of where he is. And you know what? Does he have, he'll go five days, six days, seven days, whatever. I can't even keep up. Where everything seems kind of easy cheesy. You know, he's still autistic. But, you know, he's being compliant. He's he's happy. He's having a good time. He's smiling. And no aggressive. And then out of the blue, you'll be like out of nowhere. Boom. He bites you. 
<laughs> and you're like, what happened? You know? Or I just went through a whole time where he was super sick for like two and a half months and like lost all this weight and like couldn't keep any food down and lost, regressed in certain ways, you know? Was able to get it back, but we all have that. And if we continue to prioritize on the bad days, we completely miss out on the good days. Yeah, let me let me say too, this is why, and I, we've talked about this in some previous shows, this is why the belief part, the beliefs that you have as a parent are so key. This is why we spend so much time of it on it in our in our programs, which is in this example, there's two key beliefs that happen a lot, which is one is is that the autism itself is like is not okay. Because remember, this is an example of us seeing our child's progress or lack thereof is somehow reflecting on us as parents. So one is where they are, their autism, their differences is really not okay. So the very fact that seeing that as a reflection of us, if we're thinking it's terrible and not okay, then of course we're not going to see ourselves as okay. We're going to have problems with our own parenting just by virtue of the fact that our child is different. But if we can really, and Kristen was alluding to this, if we could really cherish all the things to cherish about our child and not be seeing it through these the vision of how terrible their situation and they're different and we can really see the beauty there this is what this is what my parents were able to do with me when they when they worked with me was really starting by seeing me and all my autism all the way that was before way before they had any idea I was going to recover as seeing that as really wonderful and as really a beautiful and key part of me so that's point number 1 point number 2 the other key belief here is this idea that your job as a parent is to control everything and to, and that you then as a parent, your job is to sort of make your child and mold your child into whatever, the perfect being, the child without autism, the non-aggressive child, whatever. But here's the thing, guys. Your child is a separate person, a separate human being, and you're not God. You can't actually decide every choice they're gonna make and every behavior they're gonna do and what their what their biology and their digestion and immune system is gonna be like and how they're gonna behave and how much they're gonna progress. There's a million different factors that come into play there. Even if you're doing everything that you know to do, right? So this is where if you're thinking what my child is doing and how much, let's say, progress they're making is a reflection of me as a parent, you're basing your good feeling and your opinion of yourself as a parent on something you cannot control. And when you do that, you are seriously setting yourself up for a life of a lot of unhappiness for yourself because you're gonna very often feel like not a good parent because since you can't control everything your child does, lots of times he or she is gonna do things that aren't your first choice. So if you can really start to focus on letting go of that, of saying, yes, I want my child to progress. Yes, I wanna help my child in a 100 different ways, of course. But that doesn't mean that what my child did is because of me and that I have sole control over that. I can give my child every opportunity, but I can't decide outcomes for my child, right? No matter how much I may try. So if we can do that, then that means when our child progresses, we can be really excited about that. And when our child isn't progressing in a traditional way or does pick up old behaviors or is being aggressive or whatever, we can just be with our child in the moment and not make it about us. Because actually, the, the one other thing I'll say about this is that we think it's being a good parent to constantly hold ourselves up to the light and say, you know, are we good enough? Are we, is this a reflection of me? But actually, it's rather self-absorbed because what ends up happening is instead of really making it about being there for our children, 
It's more about getting our children to a certain milestone so we can feel good about ourselves and tell ourselves we're good parents. So if we can really grok that, if we can really get that, then it actually does free us up to really be there for our child and not make it about us. And that's where all the magic is. And I think that that's like a great way to think about it. And I think we beat ourselves up as parents so often because we compare ourselves to other parents. Heck yeah. And you know what? We just have to remember, we're just doing the best we can every day. We're not going to get it right every single day. But it doesn't define who we are just because maybe we didn't get it right yesterday or we didn't get it right the day before. Every second we have another chance to get it right, you know? Sometimes, you know, sometimes you feel tired as a parent. Sometimes you might yell and you don't want to yell. Sometimes you cry or maybe sometimes you even have a disappointment look on your face. But our kids understand and feel everything. I I know that with all of my heart. And it's totally okay that they don't... It's totally okay if that... You know what? They're still going to be autistic tomorrow if they were autistic the day before, right? And I'm sorry to be... I don't know what's politically correct anymore. You let us say they're autistic or a child with autism. I don't really know. I feel like I got some serious bigger fish to fry than to figure out how to say it, right? Actually, I have a rant about that in a later show. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I just feel that, you know, stop beating yourselves up. You know, it's totally okay to enjoy exactly where they're at. It doesn't mean that you have to say, I'm not going to give up on trying to make them the best version of themselves by any means. You're not giving up on trying to help them live a high quality life and the best version of them. I definitely want my son to get married. I want my son to have a job and a house and get on and have all the opportunities that I did. But I'm not going to waste the time I have right now with him. And that the 11 year old that I have today, this is the only time he's going to be 11. And I want to enjoy that moment. And you know what? If he tried to bite me for 10 minutes and the rest of the day was great, then that's wonderful. If he had five meltdowns but had no meltdowns yesterday, that's still we're still way ahead of the game. And when they're looking at it, if we're really trying to keep score, you know what? Everything they said, they've been wrong about. So if I'm going to keep score, I'm totally winning. So I feel like maybe reminding myself of that and just, you know what? He's not in a group home. They told me by the time he was eight, he was going to be in a group home. He's not. So when you get yourself upset about something that maybe your child's not doing or you wish they were doing, really prioritize in your mind and be really grateful for all the things they can do and all the accomplishments they have made. And I really think that's the key. All right. Thanks, Kristen. And that's the theme of the show. It is the theme of the show. I can't argue with you on that point. But more importantly, it's about to be Kristen's Hi guys, I got a great, um, some great tips that I found from actually WebMD, and these are beauty tips, which I think is even more hilarious that I found them from WebMD. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I go for all my beauty tips. So here's some quick tips, guys. Um, Get gorgeous nails. Now, here's a quick uh, 60 second strategy. Remove all nail polish, clean under your nails with lemon juice if you have it, and massage the thickest lotion you can find, uh, lip balm uh, usually works in a pinch, into your cuticles. So you know how sometimes, like say you have a, a red nail polish on and sometimes you can't get it underneath your nails, you sometimes have that kind of, um, that stain, they're saying that lemon juice works really well with that. So that's a great little tip. Another one that I really like is it says depuff your dew in a flash. It says to flatten that frizz, dampen your hands with water and drop a hand of uh, drop a 
I'm sorry, it says uh, dampen your hands with uh, water and drop of hand lotion. Then gently pull your hair back into a French twist. Wait 10 minutes, take down your um, strands, and voila, it's frizz, or I'm sorry, fuzz free and frizz free. <laughs> I try to say that five times fast. But what's really great is, especially with this like different weather and different areas you're in, I know my hair gets pretty frizzy at times. And I do, I do that sometimes as well. I just put it up in like a bun because I don't really can't do a French twist. Put a little bit of lotion that I might have if I'm traveling at a hotel in there and I'm able to then bring it down and honestly the frizz does go away. So those are some great tips. Yeah, I, I like to throw my hair up in a braid sometimes. <laughs> and then, you know, then to sometimes then do a, you know, like a, pigtails. And if you didn't know this, Ron is bald. I, I shaved my head, so I'd have not one hair on my head. <laughs> so, but anyways, guys. I have an imaginary braid, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, we'll get into that in another show. Yes. But uh, that is Kristen's Corner, and I like to ask your, uh, I like you guys to ask yourselves, what have you done in your five minutes? And that brings us to Ron's Rant. Ron's Rant. Ron's Rant. Ron's Rant. Ron's Rant. All right, people. Here's my request. Stop trying to turn our children into robots. We can agree with that uh, children with autism are human beings, right? Obviously not a controversial idea. Then why do we thrust upon parents a treatment designed to get our kids to obey commands like a robot? Stamp out unwanted, in quotes, autistic behavior. Achieve compliance through repetitive training. Reward desired behaviors with items such as food. Sound familiar? Well, that's no surprise since these principles share their intellectual roots with animal training. Yes, folks, we have now reached the point where it's controversial to assert that dog training is for dogs, not children with autism. Why are parents still told that the best that they can get is an educational program that pushes and pulls their children, stopping them from their self-soothing behaviors and programming them like robots to do as we say? And please, Pretty please, don't tell me it doesn't work this way anymore. That's a tough claim to make when we have a school in my home state of Massachusetts that still administers powerful and repeated electric shocks to discourage unwanted behavior. That's with children with autism. That's in That's my home state. That's just crazy. Yeah. Um, I myself, as you, most of you know, right, I used to have severe autism, right? And the whole reason my parents developed the Sunrise program was originally to help me, and I completely recovered. But rather than forcing me to conform to a world I didn't understand, they joined me in my world. And that was the first step toward my recovery. So you see, what is wonderful in all this is that there are ways to help our children without hurting them. Oh, that's good. So guys, I can't believe it, but guess what? It's the, the end of the show. The show is over. It's all over. We are so excited that you guys are listening on our new home here at Autism Approved Radio. If you guys have any questions for us or you'd like us to maybe perhaps do a show on a particular theme, please email us at... Ron and Kristen at gmail.com. That is R-A-U-N-A-N-D-K-R-I-S-T-I-N at gmail.com. And please visit us on Facebook at visit Kristen Selby Gonzalez or me, Ron K. Kaufman, and we would love to talk to you there as well. And until next guy ne- <laughs> and until next time, guys, we like to say thanks for letting us bring hope into your home. Thanks everyone. Bye guys. You're listening to Autism Approved Radio.